Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this passage of Scripture is often termed the baptismal command. Effectively, it is saying that true disciples will make true disciples. True disciples will make true disciples. And when I was researching and studying this a couple of weeks ago to, to, to work through to today, um, I then started to question myself, oh, do I see myself as a disciple of Jesus? Or do I see myself as a member of the Corps or a member of the Salvation Army first? Which one takes priority here? Do I primarily see myself as a member of this church? Or do I primarily see myself as a disciple of Jesus? You see, right at the start of the message, I want to say that there is a big difference between making members and making disciples. And of course, Jesus does not say make members. There wasn't especially a church to make people members of. But many kinds of membership often imply turning up, engaging, paying a fee, having a good time, doing what you like. Golf, bowls, gym, Zumba, facials. And if you don't turn up, doesn't make a huge amount of difference sometimes. But in any church, while you may be on a membership role, you're so much more than a member. And I think all of us perhaps need to see ourselves now, particularly in the light of this last uh, seven months where we've been looking together, sharing, learning together so much. It's been wonderful. See ourselves now so much more than being members of this core or any constituent parts of it. I am a disciple of Jesus. And we need to say that so much more, I believe, to ourselves. You see, the definition of a disciple usually rolls, revolves around one who is a learner. It's difficult for someone who sees themselves as a member only to go out and make a disciple. A member does not always see themselves as a learner. And you might say, but I am a learner. In that case... Call yourself a disciple of Jesus first. No church should have members only. That way, they become an exclusive club. And the Lord knows we have plenty of those in the church. You might say, I'm a member of the rink, and of course you are, and that's wonderful. But before that, if you're a follower of Christ and a passionate one at that, and you're eager to learn, before that, you're a disciple of Jesus. Being a disciple blesses us with a clear identity. Disciples are committed to learning and being like him. Disciples are committed to making other ones. Disciples are eager to learn about getting out, sharing faith, that sentness we've been looking at already this morning, in a, relation, in a relational way. Disciples want to make disciples. And yes, disciples know the shepherd Disciples bow the knee. 
But these things are sometimes difficult for those who believe they're members only, because as somebody once said very wisely, they could be trying to take people to a place where they themselves have not been. The baptismal command is for believers who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the key thing that is required of Jesus' disciples is to show the life that comes from a faith and heart experience of what the resurrection of the crucified Christ really means every day of life. It's what we've been talking about these past months, the cross theology. And for that, a disciple needs to be a lifelong learner. If you look on the Salvation Army's website for this territory, we see our vision and values. Our message is based on the Bible, it says. Our ministry is motivated by the love of God. Our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. It all implies action, but it is all implying a learning that has to take place so that we do those things properly as true disciples. And this is what passionate Christ followers do. They sit at the feet of the rabbi. They learn from him what to impart. And they learn from him how to impart it. I want to give you an example because, you know, discipleship, getting out and testimony and story. Well, it's all, it's all about telling a story, giving an experience. So I want to tell you uh, about how making a disciple can happen. I've told one or two of you this story, so forgive me if you're in that uh, category. Um, in our previous core, we had uh, choir songsters, uh, which became termed as a, a choir, uh, every Thursday, every fortnight, Thursday evening. Uh, and on one occasion, we had a lady came into songs, has never seen her before, she'd never been in a church before, but she said, I could hear the music, and I've always loved singing. She said, can I come and sing with your choir? So we said, uh, yeah, okay, come, come to rehearsal, come to practice. So she came, and she came to practice, and she said, we're only about this high. Uh, shocking voice, shocking voice. But she came and she sang, and we were careful who we sat her next to. Because, you know, she was singing words like you saw the songs. She was singing the words, but not knowing what they meant. And so the lady that she sat with was pointing out, this means this, this means this. this means, Do you know what? This, this is a church. She came the next week, and she came the week after that. And she came to a number of rehearsals. And then she asked the million-dollar question, can I sing on a Sunday? Ooh, Salvation Army, can you sing on a Sunday? So we had a little chat, some of us, and we said, yeah, all right, come and sing on a Sunday. So Elaine came and she sang on a Sunday. Oh, I like that, she said. I mean, her voice still hadn't improved, but she was getting the hang of the words. Getting the hang of the words. And she came, and after about the third or fourth Sunday singing, after the songs that had sung, with no other prompting from me, from the, the plat platform, or, or, or Carolyn, she went and knelt at the mercy seat and she found Christ as her saviour. She got converted. It was Easter, thank you. Yes, it was, it was Easter. And after the songsters had sung on Easter morning, she got converted and she stood up. She left the building and during the week she said, I want to buy a uniform, how do I do that? Why, you want to buy a uniform? Marvellous. She didn't know if 
trade would do her size, but trade do every size, it doesn't matter. I'm stopping there. Um, so, but she did, she, she got a uniform on, and she came, and she sang. And she got involved in the corps, and she, and she got involved in our, um, what do we call it? The, well, it was before that, she got involved in the catering team, because she was a school dinner lady. And so she wanted to get involved in that, and she's still there today. And you know what, she's a disciple, because she's now a street pastor. And all because we sat her next to a lady, Joe Alcock, who is now Lieutenant Joe Alcock, and stationed just about to move to, just moved to Hillingdon Corps with her husband Steve as corps officers. We sat her next to Joe, and Joe discipled her. She didn't have to come and kneel and get a uniform on first. You know what I'm saying? Great example of discipleship. She learnt, she got an education from, from, from Joe, a little education on. on some, some of the lovely words that she was singing. And in this great commission, Jesus tells us to reach and teach to offer the good news of the gospel. And it inspires us to embrace all kinds of diversity. It's sentness going out. It's praying for people to come over the threshold. And we say to them, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I exercise toward you the welcome of the cross of the risen Christ. You see, disciples cannot not tell their story. We walk with people. You look down the, the, the last century, particularly the great spiritual leaders of the last hundred years were people who walked with their people. They were not aloof. They didn't stand separate. They weren't like these pastors who once they've preached, get in a lift and go down to the basement car park, get in their Mercedes and drive off while the rest of their mega church goes home. That wasn't what they were. They stood with their people. They walked with them at the front of the rallies, the political rallies. You think of uh, Martin Luther King. There with his people, arm in arm. Mahatma Gandhi, there with his people, arm in arm, making a point, identifying totally with their cultural context. That's what we've been talking about this morning, this chaplaincy. If you go back a few years to the early days of the army, we've got a clip, we've got a, that's Commissioner Frederick Booth Tucker, went to India dressed like the people that he was ministering to. There he is in, in uh, that uh, clothing. Identified, journeyed with his community. Disciples offer Christ's welcome through story. The writer Rob Bell says, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Don't doubt that a deep experience of the living God still happens in people's hearts and more than ever people are searching for some kind of deeper direction. I'm sure you know that. Our mission conversations and vision Sunday tell us that we are building a core of people who are excited and passionate about sharing the hospitality and welcome of Christ. Though we must understand that Christian expressions of welcome, Salvation Army expressions of welcome, won't be appreciated by everyone, which begs an everlasting and never-ending question that we have to ask, does our worship environment resonate with the current cultural and community context? It's about sharing faith. It's about seeing this core grow in the kingdom influence in this kingdom 
in this community. We thank God for a white-hot, prayed-through vision statement. You see, if true Christian disciples cannot feel passionate about their faith when they have the love of a creator God who is so devoted to them, if they cannot be excited and energized and freed up to make friends with unbelievers for Christ, if they cannot see what the liberating life, death and resurrection of Jesus really means for them, then what on earth is it that touches their heart and gives them a spiritual jolt? What gets the heart beating? What moves us? What is more thrilling than seeing God move in a person's heart? and transform their life, their words, their faces. This is not news to any of us. Go into the world and make disciples. It's in Salvation Army history, seen in the passion of William Booth and those early Salvationists who were almost insane in their mission for the movement. The trouble is, somewhere down the line in the 1980s and 1990s, it felt as though the Salvation Army in the UK did what we might call religious activity for its own sake. It's not an idle statement because official church statistics will show, external statistics will show that between 1979 and 1999, the Salvation Army, which is termed the largest of the smallest denominations, the Salvation Army lost 60% of its membership. Did we become more focused on membership rather than making disciples, I wonder? How many of you remember Roots? If you went to Roots, just pop your hand up. A few of you went, yes, quite a lot of you went to Roots. Okay. I find this interesting as as well because around the time that this was being discovered and becoming public, Roots kind of started. This this congregation, this this, this gathering rather of of Salvationists, It was a worthy attempt to introduce the principle of a more diverse worship experience for Salvationists. And at its best, it was intended as a weekend of going deeper and of learning to be disciples. It was an early style, fresh exploration, not intended to replace anything, but to introduce something new. And it served a valuable purpose. And I know that disciples were made at Roots. In fact, some lifelong salvationists said they had become disciples for the first time. And then it was brought to an end. And it certainly got to a point where it needed rethinking. But on this, I ask whether preference presided over purpose and the higher aims of discipleship, where people who were more army than salvation made those decisions. Salvation army. Be more salvation than army. Be more disciple than member. Forty years ago, let's talk about story. Forty years ago this month, God called me to be a Salvation Army officer. Forty years ago, July in 1979, God called me to be a Salvation Army officer. And I went to my father. And I said, Dad, I feel this real urge, this real calling to be a Salvation Army officer. And he just looked at me, and I was expecting some real encouragement from my father, who was a Salvation Army officer himself. And he said, oh, no. I said, what What do you mean? I'm really feeling this calling to, oh, no, son, you don't want to do that. Well, I do, actually. I'm feeling this. Look, go away. Just just, just go away. Don't don't do it. Just, Just 
And he went off and did the dishes. And I left me really deflated and downhearted. So I left it. I thought, well, oh, blow that then. I'm not going to. September 1979 came. And again, I began to feel this great uh, urge, this great Holy Spirit moment. I went to my dad and I said, Dad, look, this isn't going away. I feel it. No, 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 son. You've got a good job. You're making your way. Don't just, just go, thank you. So I did. I went away. November 1979, it was getting so strong, this urge and this passion to be a Salvation Army officer, that I had to go back to him and, and uh, I said it again. I said, Dad, I'm feeling this calling to be an Army officer. And then he said, okay, now tell me about it. What he was doing, it was an old way, you don't do it that way these days. People say, oh, lovely, great. He was testing, if you like, testing the genuine call of God. And in that last meeting with him, I showed him this map, which meant so much to me. This is the map at the front of the book, In Darkest England and the Way Out, written by William Booth, and published in the year his wife died in 1890. And I wanted to be one of those people in red. There they are, close up. I did that. I was quite proud of how I did that. Um, one of those people on those rocks who were bringing people out of the sea of starvation and unemployment out of that sea of impoverishment. I wanted to be, and in my heart and in my mind, I was looking through the book, I didn't read it all, but those figures almost came to life. They were coming to life for me, all the way through that period, and I'd never told him until that last one, and he said, that's a great test. And uh, then there was another sign uh, that confirmed my calling. Because those people standing on the rock are more than members. They're disciples. They're actually making the effort. They're actually going out there and talking to people. They're actually going out there and doing a rescue job. They are more than members. They are active disciples. And you know what? That's all I ever wanted to be. I've done my best. I have, well, I've made my mistakes, believe you me. I really have. And I've not always done this work well. But this God is a God who redeems and transforms and makes us into his masterpieces. And if God can use imperfect me, he can use anybody, I can assure you. So I want to finally ask a question for which I do not require an audible answer. I love the way you're responding. Nathaniel and Tamsin's wedding the other week, I asked a question at the end of my sermon. I did not expect an answer in St. Margaret's Church next to Westminster Abbey. And everyone, yes, whoa! Answer the question. I, I didn't expect that at all. It was wonderful. So don't shout. But here's the question. In your heart and mind, are you a member or a disciple first and foremost? Have you always thought of yourself as a member of this or any other core before you thought yourself as a disciple of Jesus? Because I look at you, not only on a Sunday, but in my heart and in my mind through the week, and particularly when we're preparing. I look at you and I see people who need to be told and encouraged that with Holy Spirit, fire and passion, you are disciples first and foremost. We have our vision statement now. We've all spoken into it. We are together in mission and ministry. You have a story to tell. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. It's his authority, his authority. I am with you to the end of the world, he then goes on to say. When we do this, God will trust us with the souls of others across all divide. And we simply say to people, God accepts you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And maybe that's a word for you this morning. God accepts you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Radical welcome means that disciples give for the sake of giving. We don't ask for anything in return, but leave the doorway to God open all the time. Jesus was the most gracious host who welcomed everyone. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and your church will grow. Let's treasure and build this ministry of unequivocal welcome in the most relevant way possible. And all the disciples said, Amen. Let's pray. Have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in your ability to learn more. Have confidence in this great God who calls us and sends us.